Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. One of the best things about watching children's sermons is to see the reactions. And for all of you all that have so graciously volunteered or been volunteered to do children's sermons, I can tell you as a pastor, I am so thankful for y'all. I am so grateful because I get to watch and learn and uh, see see how you deal with uh, with kids. Look, look, we ought to be grateful for the little boys and girls that have an interest in trying to respond to things that they know and they see and they want to, to share. Um, God wants our hearts to be like that too, folks, <clears throat> to be open what he wants. Now, um, <clears throat> this morning we're going to be sharing uh, and looking at the next step. We've talked the last few weeks about jettisoning frets and worries and things like that. Um, <clears throat> so what do you do with the extra time that you have now because you're not worrying anymore? What is it that you do with all that time? This morning we're going to be looking at the book of Hebrews. Uh, now, I, I want to share with you just a note about the names of the books of the Bible in the New Testament. Uh, some are written to particular groups. So you have, you, have, uh, you have books that are written to church folks in particular cities. So you have the book of Romans. It's written to the Christians that are in Rome. You have the book of Corinthians written to the, the church at Corinth. Philipp, Philippians, the church in Philippi. You have... You have these letters that are written, and they're books in the Bible, and they're, they're sent particularly to these folks. And you have to understand, in those days, in, in, in the Roman days, they actually had mail. Just like we have the United States Postal Service, they had mail too. And it probably took about as long mailing a letter from Rome to Jerusalem as it takes from mailing a letter from Navasota to Dallas, okay? Same time. I'm teasing. That's just a joke. Just laugh and help me out here, okay? Thank you. Um, the Romans, instead of having a letter in an envelope, though, required them to be in what's called scroll form. So it was wrapped up little piece of paper like this, and what they would have on the outside would be a quick note to who this was this was sent. So you might get a name that is in in Navasota, and it might say Thomas Moore, husband of Judy, in Navasota, Texas. Well, so the the mail courier gets here to Navasota, and he does not know Thomas Moore. And and pretty much a lot of you all know who Thomas Moore is. He's sitting right over there. Raise your hand, Thomas. There he is. Okay, he's married to Judy. And so what happens is this guy comes into town and he starts asking around and he says, do you know a Thomas Moore? And in Navasota, used to be there were a lot of Thomas Moore. There are a lot of Moores and there were a lot of Thomas Moores all, all around. But he said, no, this is Thomas Moore, the husband of Judy. And then they would say, oh yeah, well he lives right over there. And they would go ahead and track the person down. It's really a fairly efficient way of doing things. They get to the city, track them down, and it would be Thomas More. And, and that's why when you read, like the book of, of Philippians, for instance, and you open that book up, and by the way, the book, 
that we have is written in codex form. That's that's a book like this one right here. This is a book uh, on on by J.I. Packer, and I know one particular person that likes J.I. Packer an awful lot, and so I'm giving this to her because she likes J.I. Packer. Okay, all right. That that book is what we think of as a book, but the book of the Bible would have been written in this form, and that's why when you sit there and you list, you read that, you'll open it up and you'll open up the book of Philippians, and it will say, Paul, a disciple, Paul, a servant, Paul, a slave of Jesus, because you couldn't, like that book, open the very back and say, well, this is written by J.I. Packer. Now, you didn't know who it was written from. You knew it was to you because it's Thomas More married to Judy. And as you open it up, you would read, this is, from, this is Matt, your son, writing you, Dad, from College Station. So that's the reason when you read the Bible, you'll see Paul, a disciple. Paul, a follower. Paul, a slave. Now, I share this with you because some books in the Bible are written Two places like that, Corinthian church, the Roman church, that. Some are written to particular people, like we have Paul's letter to, to Timothy, all right? And he says, this is my letter to my, my son in the ministry, Timothy. Some are written instead named after the person writing. There are very few of these in the Bible, but we have a couple, First and Second Peter. The author is Peter, and he's writing these. And rather than saying, here's it, who, to, to whom it, it was sent, we see these things. We go, oh, okay, that's the writer. Book of James, same deal. But then we get to the one we're looking at this morning, the book of Hebrews. Now, folks, I'm going to share with you just a quick bit of history, and I'm going to do it really quick. By the way, I noticed this. Ross was having problems with that little clicker this morning thing. And if, if uh, Joe King, if you get really mad and you think the sermon is beginning to drag, I expect you to go ahead and advance all the way through all the sermon notes up here, and that will make it go quicker. Not, okay? The book of Hebrews was written to Jews that were questioning whether Jesus Christ Jesus, the man that was killed by the Romans, was in fact the Messiah. They were having a great deal of of interest of whether this could have been the Messiah. And if he was the Messiah, why was he killed? Now you and I are about ready to enter into the season of Jesus' birth. But when we get, get into the spring, we'll be celebrating the time that Jesus was crucified for your sins and mine. He bore our sins on the cross. While we get to the front end of that in Jesus' birth, understand that the Jews would have looked at Jesus' life and they'd take every single part of it apart. And so that's why for the first ten chapters, the writer of Hebrews begins to take apart and deconstruct Jesus' life and saying, see how this fits into the Scripture? See how this fits? See how He did this? See how He fulfilled this? And it's one after another after another. And it's sequential. Then you get to chapter 11. And it's a history lesson of the entire Bible. If you want to know what happened in the Old Testament, read Hebrews 11. And you have the great by faith chapter. By faith, this happened. Bang. By faith, this person did this. These are the heroes of the Bible. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. Then in chapter 12, 
you get this. Since we have all of this great cloud of witnesses watching us, and oh, by the way, that's something that you and I ought to know. Right now, right this moment, heaven is watching First Baptist Church. Heaven is. Since we have the, because all those by faith guys are long dead and gone, but they know what's going on in your life. They know. Now, it's not a case of going ahead and trying to be good because mom's in heaven and you don't want to disappoint mom. That's not why we do that. We have this great cloud of witnesses, folks, that are in the grandstands, just like there were folks in the stands at Rattler Stadium, and, and just like there are folks that were in the stands Saturday, yesterday, down in Houston, that are cheering not a football team on, but they're cheering you and me on in our walk with Christ so that God and God alone gets the glory. Then we get chapter 13. Now remember, this is written like this. These were extremely valuable. Any letter was gold. And it was shared with friends and family and sometimes neighbors and folks that they didn't even know because it was a celebration to get a letter. And when the letter is written to the, book, to the Hebrews and they're passing it around with each other, you notice that the guy that's writing, that the, the writer of this book, he gets towards the end, chapter 13, which we're going to look at this morning. And instead of going ahead and saying, let me now go ahead and talk about how Jesus how Jesus' death on the cross was the sacrifice of sin as we find in Isaiah 52, 53, and 54. He doesn't do that. He doesn't have enough room on the manuscript any longer to go much farther. It's kind of like he had to get everything put together and get it done quickly. Kind of like what you're hoping I'll do today in the sermon. Good luck. That was a joke. Boy, tough room this morning. What he ends up doing is taking snippets and saying, this is important, and this is important, and I want you to hear this, and I want you to hear this. And if you're reading chapter 13, you find it in two-sentence couplets. Know this, know this, know this. We're going to be looking at two verses this morning. And I want you to go ahead and listen carefully, not to what I say, but what God's Holy Spirit says to your heart about His Word and your life, and how you live it here in Navasota. I'm going to invite you to stand together. We're going to go and read God's Word. Then I've got a picture I want you to see immediately after that. This is Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 and 16. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess His name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For such sacrifices, God is pleased. May God bless the reading of His Word. Please be seated. All right, I'm going to ask you if you know this man. How many of you all know this man right here? Do you know this future Aggie? Okay? How, do not say the name. How many of you all know who this is? Raise your hand. All of you all... All of you all took care of him at one time or another. This is Trey Reeves, okay? This is Trey Reeves circa 9, uh, 20, 26, 27, 2006, 2007, somewhere in there. We're going to be talking about 
not just praising, which is, is what we do now, but we're going to be talking about what we need to do for kids like this and how we can go ahead, how you can go ahead and be a part of fulfilling verse 16 of 15 and 16. We're fulfilling verse 15 this morning of that scripture that we just read. Give praise to God. God is, 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 is absolutely and wonderfully accepting of your praise and mine. But verse 16 is where that praise begins to be put with feet. We're going to be talking about both. And part of it, part of it relates to that young man who right now has decided that he's going to go into ministry, ministering in a camp in Brenham, Texas, for little boys and girls that oftentimes and people that face greater physical challenges than any of us in this room will ever face. Guys, I want to share with you that when we go ahead and listen to God's Word, He always talks with to us about putting Him first. You see, that praise part is what we are doing this morning. The praise part that we saw in verse 15 is what we are doing this morning. But what about the next day? What about tomorrow? Let me ask you a question. Do you guys take a nap on Sunday afternoon? How many of you all take a nap? Raise your hand, okay? Rest of you all that don't take a nap need to come forward and be saved, all right? Naps are wonderful. You should. It's one of the secret joys you can enjoy about the, the, this day that we set aside for worship and rest. But make sure that you have a time set aside to worship the one true God. And then take His Word to heart. When you enter here, look, when you enter these doors to come to church on Sunday morning, you're not coming to church. What you're coming here to do is worship. We come before the Lord to worship Him, to give thanks to Him. We're not coming to go, well, I've got to punch my clock for one hour or ever how long it's going to take Him to finally get done with what He's got. That's not it. You come to go ahead and stand before God and say, God, thank You for the week You've given me, for the life You've given me, for the outdoors that I'm going to get to see occasionally. I'm going to go ahead, God, and give You thanks and praise for all of Your many blessings. And if I walk in here today and I have a heart that is full of something else, then for at least this hour, help me to go ahead and set that aside so I can focus on you. And, and oh, by the way, what I'll find, God, is that you will not la- let me leave this place with the same burden I walked in here with. You take my sack of rocks off of me. And I can leave them right here. You see, you and I are called... To worship God. And when we worship Him this morning, we're called to do that every day. You're called by God to give more than just Sunday mornings. More than just Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights occasionally. We're called by God to give much more than that. In Hebrews 11, I shared with you the by faith chapter. In Hebrews 12, it's summed up that since we have such a great cloud of witnesses watching us. Yes, heaven is watching this very morning. But understand that God doesn't blink. He sees and hears and is a part of every part of your life during the week and will only direct that path that you are walking right now when you allow Him to. God is a gentleman. He won't force His way into any of your lives. He won't force His way into mine. He will wait till we get to the place where we invite Him to come in 
and become boss over who we think we are. Have you done that? Have you invited Him to come in? Some of you are struggling with that very decision. Whether I should or should not invite Christ into my life. I want to share with you. It's the greatest release and relief from your past that you'll ever have. He wants that on this Sunday morning. You see, the reason that He wants that is because God owns the other six days too. God owns all the other days of the week as well. In Genesis, we find God was at work creating and then setting aside a day to teach you and me to rest. He has a right and possession to each day. And He created them in spite of a past president that said, you didn't create that. God did create every single day. Because He owns them, He invites you and me to share in those. He invites us to share in the day that He has created. The day He has created today is the day that we give Him praise. We say thank you. So here's what I want you to do. We're going to take a time out here. Heck, it's 11.15, and I'm going to be done in 10 minutes. God willing. I want you to go ahead and in your heart right now, think of one thing to be thankful for that you can give praise to God for this morning. Wait a minute. Wrap it in your mind, okay? When you get it, just simply slip your hand up. One thing. Got it? Now, all at once, I want you to very quietly just say that to God. Thank you for, I give you praise for, do it. Out loud. All right. In that very moment, in that very moment, The Bible says that God received all of that and it was a sweet smell before Him. You just fulfilled Hebrews 13, 15. You just did. When we praise God, He owns the other days that we can praise Him as well. And there's only one thing left to do. And so what else is there left to do? And what does Trey Reeves have to do with it? If I praise God this morning and tomorrow, what else is there left for me to do during the week? Well, I have a thought that I hope will resonate in your heart. Here's an example and an opportunity for one of your many tomorrows. There's a camp that Trey went to around the time that that picture was taken. He stomped around the grounds and he played with some of your children. He heard stories about Jesus and he did crafts. It all sounds idyllic and it it largely was. But there's one part of today's scripture that is missing. What do we do with the day that God has given us? I want to share with you a little bit about this camp. Highland Lakes is a camp that our preteens have been going to at least since the 1980s. I went back and tried to trace when we first started sending preteen kids there. The best I could find out, it was in the 1980s. My wife and I went out there a few weeks ago. She got to go ahead and, and go as a counselor 
with Harold Reeves. Harold Reeves is the fellow that every year takes our children out there during the summer and we go out to preteen camp and it's always a lot of fun because there's always some type of tire problem that goes on there or mechanical problem that goes on. And the adventure begins when they leave the parking lot of First Baptist. They get out there and it's generally wonderfully hot. It's in the hill country of Texas. And it's wonderfully, blisteringly hot. And little boys and girls are constantly told, and there are all these, these, these water jugs all over the place. They're constantly told, drink water, drink water, drink water, drink water. And they do. And they have a great time out there. And you and I, if we're out in the hill country of Texas in July or August, we will die. Can I get an amen? Yep, we will. However, little boys and girls don't know that yet, and so we send them to camp, all right? And when they go to camp, they find out all of these wonderful things about the Bible and about worship, the very thing we're doing right now. While I was there, I went and met with the fellow that is in charge of their grounds. I'd heard stories from some of our kids and from my daughter and my wife about some of the needs of this camp, some of the things that needed to be prepared and repaired and reworked. And I've taken a picture of one of their dormitories. What you're seeing there is soffit and fascia boards. This is one of their older dormitories. And one of the things that has happened is because this camp has decided to go ahead and keep their prices reasonable they're not charging $800 and $1,000 for a week to get rid of your, your preteen kid. They keep it reasonable enough that everybody can come. And because of that, they'd ha- they have to plan out renovations and things like that very carefully to use the resources God has given to go ahead and apply it to the need. Now, you'll look up here, and you don't just see boards that need painting. You see rotted wood. This is a dormitory that our kids stayed in three years ago. Three years ago. I don't go ahead and and say, you know, well, you know, gee, they ought to get real camp camp experience of having raindrops falling on their face during, during the night. No, that's not a real camp experience. What I want them to know is Jesus Christ and nothing to get in the way of that. But if this gets in the way then we can do something about it. You and I can. Most of the time when I share things like this, I ask for money. Not asking for money this time. I'm asking for verse 16. I'm asking for verse 16, which says, we will do good for those, and especially for those that are a part of the family of faith. So here's what I want you to do. Everybody get a pencil and paper out. You can use the bulletin you have in your hands. If you don't have pencil with you, reach out in front of you. There should be one in the pew. If there's not, then uh, Worth Ferguson has one. Okay, Worth, make sure everybody has a pencil and paper. I want you to write down this date. January 17th, 2020. January 17th, 2020. 
That is a Friday. It is Martin Luther King weekend. You have an extra day to rest. But that's the day that I hope our church will choose to send out a team of folks to go repair all of those fascia and soffit boards on that one dormitory. Well, what in the world is that going to do to solve all the problems? Guys, listen. God has not called us to solve any big problem in the world. He's already got the solution. But He does want to borrow your arms, your legs, your talents, your abilities. And I hope our church will choose to send folks out there. What will it cost you? It will cost you your ability, your most precious possession, your time. The camp has already said that they would go ahead and provide a comfortable, wonderful bunk bed for each one of the folks that volunteer from First Baptist Church, Navasota. You will have your choice of the top bunk or the bottom bunk. Sam, if you go, I will give you $100 to missions if you get in the top bunk, buddy. Guaranteed. We get an opportunity. Will you do it? All right, good. We got our first volunteer. What we're going to do, folks, is go in. They're going to provide all the materials. We don't have to provide anything like that. They're going to provide the scaffolding. We're going to tear out that. We're going to go ahead and replace it. And we're going to go ahead and paint it. And we're going to do that within three days. That There is board length of about 175 feet. Okay, For some of you all that know that. These are 2 by 10s This is not going to be fun work. Now some of you are saying, well that's a good thing for guys to do. Ladies, it is open to you as well. It's open to anyone that wants to go. This is going to be logistically a nightmare. But it's going to be a blessing for kids that look like Trey that will be able to go and never know your name and never know that First Baptist Church did a thing to solve that one tiny problem at a little camp two hours away. But God doesn't blink. God doesn't blink. He's not blinking right now and He knows what's going on in your heart as you're trying to talk yourself in or out of that decision. Some of you might be saying, you know, Pastor Clyde, that's just not my spiritual gift to be able to do that. Even if we do it in January, what if the weather is... It, what if there's a norther? What if this... And you begin to walk down that little path of being able to say, I don't think so. Let me share with you this. If you don't go... Your pastor will have a power tool in his hand. I have people in this church that have laughed at me. They have laughed when I have tried to help in ramp building. You all have teased me unmercifully. Don't make me do this. (laughs) If God is calling you to do this, The right answer on January 17th is yes. And the right time will be when you get on that bus and you go out to fulfill verse 16. Why is this important? 
Because that young man that we saw a picture of earlier on went to that camp. He wasn't forced to because his dad was driving and his mom wanted to get rid of him. He did it because he had a hunger for what he is doing right now. And God used that to form him to be the person that he is right now. Is God trying to form you into something that is different than you are right now? If He is, the right answer is yes. The right time is right now. And the ability to go in and say, God, I will not only give you praise in a safe place like First Baptist, but I will also give you praise in the unsafe, wild areas near Austin, Texas. Aggies, please hear this. Austin is not engine country. It's a place that needs Jesus, the very one we worship this morning. Let's pray. Holy Father, thank you for this time. I pray as we worship you, give thanks to you, give praise to you, and even offer our life to you that this morning you will speak to our hearts and the right answer that we will give you is the, the answer you seek, which is yes. For some here this morning, that yes means a first time saying to Jesus, I belong to you. For some here this morning, it is the ability to say, God, I don't know that I can do anything like stand up and put boards in and screw them into a building. But God, if you give me that chance and you still give me the ability to, I'll do it. For some here, it is the simple confession that God, I believe you're in charge. Help us to trust in that. Help us to go ahead and let you reign and rule in our life. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time. We ask you to bless and your Holy Spirit to move in this invitation that is about to be given as you invite us to respond not to a pastor's words but to your Holy Spirit call. Take this time. You use it. And it is given to you the honor and the glory of Jesus Christ our Savior. All of God's people said, Amen. Stand together, church. God is speaking to you about a decision that needs to be made in your heart. I'll be here at our altar area. During this song, you come as God leads. Speak to my heart, Lord Jesus. Speak that my soul may every doubt and fear. Speak to my heart, oh speak to my heart, speak to my heart, I pray. Yielded and 
heart, Lord Jesus, purge me from every sin. Speak to my heart, Lord Jesus, help me the lost to Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity to give back to you. Thank you for the fact that it's not just our our lives and our money that you want. But Father, it is all of us, complete and whole and total, surrendered over to you. Thank you that you give us a free will so that we can agree to do this right now or we can say no. But God, I pray that as you seek our yes, And as you accept our no, that you'll use this time to break down any stronghold or barrier, whether it is over a purse or a wallet or a life or a lifestyle. This is your time. Help us to worship you in our tithes and offerings. In Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) 